Very Bad Wizards is a podcast with a philosopher, my dad, and psychologist, Dave Pizarro, having an informal discussion about issues in science and ethics. Please note that the discussion contains bad words that I'm not allowed to say, and knowing my dad, some very inappropriate jokes. That's it, like my old granddaddy used to always say, the less a man makes declarative statements, the less apt he's to look foolish in retrospect. That's quite brilliant, sir. Oh, thank you. Welcome to Very Bad Wizards. I'm Tamler Summers from the University of Houston. And I'm David Pizarro from Cornell University. So you rob drug dealers. This is what you do. Yes, sir. You walk the streets of Baltimore with a gun, taking what you want, when you want it, willing to use violence when your demands aren't met. This is who you are. Why should we believe your testimony, then? I believe anything you say. That's up to y'all, really. You say you aren't here testifying against the defendant because of any deal you made with police. True that. That you're here because you, you, you want to tell the truth about what happened to Mr. Gant in that housing project parking lot. Yep. When, in fact, you are exactly the kind of person who would, if you felt you needed to, shoot a man down on a housing project parking lot and then lie to the police about it, would you not? And look, I never put my gun on no citizen. You are a moral, are you not? You are feeding off the violence and the despair of the drug trade. You're stealing from those who themselves are stealing the lifeblood from our city. You are a parasite who leeches off Just like you, the culture man. of drugs. Excuse me? What? I got the shotgun. You got the briefcase. It's on the game, though, right? <laughs> and that's a scene from... The greatest TV show of all time. Um, Breaking Bad is a close second, I guess. Yes, Breaking Bad <laughs> is, is the greatest show of all time, except maybe The Wire. <laughs> that was a great thing that you that you posted. Yeah, that was, a, that was a we should post clip that from on Family it. Guy. Yeah, I'll put the clip. They usually get takedown notices for Family Guy on YouTube, but hopefully it survived. Yeah. So today we're going to be talking about a topic that is near and dear to my heart right now, and that is criminal justice, the criminal justice system. You're all into that shit right now, aren't you? I, I, I'm all into it. <laughs> uh, and uh, I'm very excited for this episode. In fact, I, I, my expectations are too high because <laughs> you don't seem to either know uh, much about this topic and definitely not care. I'm I'm just disenfranchised. I'm one of those uh, those poor <laughs> oh, saps. <yeah. laughs> I just yeah. have to deal with the criminal justice system, not write about it in an ivory tower like you. The system, right, doesn't work for you. <laughs> for white males hey, uh, at Ivy know, League universities. <laughs> that's right. Um, do you, is Omar your favorite character of The Wire? I'd have to say no. 
Uh, yeah, me too. I know he's like the the best for everybody or whatever. But who's, all right, who's your favorite character? So my favorite is, and I I, I hate to ruin it. Uh, I, I was gonna say let's write it down and show it. <laughs> uh, Bunk is my. It has to be my favorite. I think. Yeah, yeah, Bunk is certainly up there for me. I really like. Well, okay. I love We're doing Wee exactly Bay. what it is the Family Guy says uh, <laughs> that people do. <laughs> just talk for people who have not seen The Wire. This is just drivel. Like yeah, they must is. be so annoyed. But but if you haven't seen it, watch it. <laughs> if there's a guy that I sort of wish I could be more like, even though I'm nothing like him, it's Weebay. I love Weebay. Oh yeah, Weebay's cool. Yeah. Um, and he's solid, and he's dependable, yeah, right. and you can count on it. He makes it throughout the whole thing, Rock. right? Uh, yeah, he does. He, yeah. he goes in jail for life. He takes the uh, a life right. rap for everybody. Well, we can't do this. We're spoiling. No, we're, we're, we're spoiling the wire. Yeah, you already just right. spoiled it yeah. uh, <laughs> for everybody. And then Stringer Bell. It's really Omar, hard. To Omar is gay. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry. You don't find that out till season five. Did you hear about the Kevin Garnett Carmelo Anthony fight? No. When did it happen? I don't know what day it was, maybe Tuesday, Monday, Monday or Tuesday. Oh, they had a game, man. and then there was a confrontation afterwards by the bus. It was over. So, you know, KG's a big trash talker, always has been, and he gets under people's skin. But this time he went too far with Carmelo, uh, so far that he had to really come and challenge him afterwards, and they almost got into a fight. Now, guess what Kevin Garnett said. Allegedly, but uh, it's been confirmed he, by, yeah. by many sources. <laughs> guess what he said uh, to Carmel? I, um, okay, hold on. And if you if if you guess this and you really don't know, then you are a genius. I fucked your mom. No, uh, although it did involve a relative or uh, <laughs> uh, someone in Carmelo's family. His sister. Nope. Oh, damn it. All right. I give up. I was going to say, did he throw dollar bills at him like Puffy? Like that guy did to Puffy that causes the shooting incident? Um, no. He said, your wife, who I think is named Lala or something, Carmela's wife. He said, mm-hmm. your wife smells like, no, no, no. She tastes like Honey Nut Cheerios. Oh, shit. <laughs> I don't even know why that's so insulting, but it's so messed up to say. It's so specific. Like, oh, it's so specific, right? It has to be kind of right, you know? It's almost evidence. It's almost guaranteed evidence that Kevin Garnett tastes has... tastes like Honey Nut Cheerios. Now, like, what is that? <laughs> it's just... I don't... I don't even know. I'm I'm now, like... I'm looking at the, the New York Times. The, I need to find, like, a CD blog that will... That will uh, actually give me details. Uh, well, you, Honey Nut Cheerios was like number one trending topic uh, <laughs> the next day. <laughs> Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Because Honey Nut Cheerios are kind of good, but it, it, unexpected with you, you know. <laughs> well, if you think about what he's talking about. It's a. It really is. It's awesome. Sewer rat may genius. taste like pumpkin yeah. pie, but I never eat the filthy motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. All right. So uh, I had to get that. If you didn't know that, I, I I just thought that was fun. Let's quickly talk about some listener feedback, and then we will get right to the the substance of the show, which doesn't involve anything that Kevin Garnett said uh, and, and breakfast cereals. <laughs> 
Um, so we got a couple of comments, one on email and one, um, as, as a comment on the website about, we had asked listeners, I think I had made the claim that it was very rare that, that, that people would switch from being religious to non-religious, that it was kind of a constitutional thing that people, um, and so we got a couple of, of sort of heartfelt messages about sort of leaving the faith, um, one individual, uh, because he was gay and, and had to come out of the closet. This was a, so we appreciate it. We asked for that. So that's evidence. I still think it's fairly rare that people have a complete switch. And, and there's even some, some resistance in the comment to the yeah, switch. No, I know. Yeah. I think it's always hard for people and there's always still a pull and there were stages, right? That the listener described. And, right. uh, and so we really thank you for that. And for listeners who are interested, you could check that out on, uh, and we always encourage leaving comments on on our website or on Facebook. Of course, the best place to leave them, especially if they're good, but again, they don't have to be, is on iTunes. <laughs> on iTunes. That's right. Uh, after you've already <laughs> liked us on Facebook, which s- some of you apparently have not done yet. So get off. It's inexplicable. So awkward. I, I, maybe they maybe they just don't like. <laughs> maybe it, it would just be dishonest. It would be a lie. It's good that there are no downvotes on Facebook like there are on Reddit. Um, okay, and then uh, and then we got the other piece of feedback about about the meaninglessness, right? Oh yeah. So uh, one listener one listener said that we never justified your claim or my claim. It certainly would have been true for both of us that seeing our daughters every morning. And you know, that, that drips, I, I believe it drips with meaning is what I said. Yeah, yeah. Which is actually now that I think about it a little creepy, well, but, that's, uh, that's how I do. but the point being that, that there's so much meaning just in, you know, that, that it, it's amazing how they greet the day, you know, they greet the day. There's, there's no coffee. There's no, they're just so happy to uh, be up. I know, re- man. I'm like looking forward to the day and uh, I don't ever remember being like that, but I guess I, I must have been at some point, you know, gotten up yeah. early and, uh, and, and and been really happy and just, you know, like it takes a little while to get into the flow of the oh, day. Oh, man. It takes me uh, like hours. Yeah. Yeah. So so what the listener complained was that we never justified that, that, that seeing our daughters waking up and, you know, interactions with our daughter, period – were right. meaningful, dripping right. with meaning, whatever. Right. We just uh, took it as as we took it for granted as evidence, and we never justified it. But and we expected that people would empathize with us. And I guess my response on on the on the website was, yeah, yeah, that's right. We did not justify it, and I don't think it's the kind of thing you can just. Like, what would a justification of of that look like. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it was a, it, clearly it was an appeal to intuition, right? So at, right. At, as with all appeals to intuition, um, some are better than others. And if it doesn't work on, on you, then that means that, that we don't share the intuitions. But, but as I to- actually think uh, the listener's use of the word empathy is even better description of what it was an appeal to. It was just, right. you know, right. you have to see it. You have to just feel it. And if you don't feel it, you don't feel it. There's nothing we can do. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be – we're not saying you have to have kids. 
we're saying that you have to have a relationship that's meaningful to to realize that that these things drip with meaning and uh yeah. and yeah i don't i don't know what a justification would look like maybe we're just bad philosophers the both of us because you know there's no <laughs> yeah because there's been all because a good philosopher would be able to justify <laughs> Uh, no, I think this is actually where philosophy, one of the many places, including the topic we're going to be discussing, where philosophy fucks things up. Like it gives it gives people just the idea that something like that needs justification, right? Um, which I don't think. Uh, yeah, I don't know about that. You know, I tend to blame philosophy. <laughs> I tend to yeah, you're, you're like a self hating, self hating philosopher. <laughs> Self-hating philosopher, it might be. <laughs> All right, so let's let's talk about the topic for today, and it's criminal justice and the criminal justice system. Which I think, no matter what side you're on, I think almost everybody agrees right now that what we have isn't it. It's not. It's a. It's 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 a it's a complete catastrophe. The, the the number of people who are in prison right now in America vastly exceeds vastly by you know uh, fourfold or fivefold other civilized countries even with you know similar levels of crime. Tamler, maybe there's uh, just too much justice. Is that a bad thing? Is that, <laughs> is that I don't no, but 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 in all seriousness, um, that's not. I know what you mean, but it's not a data point that justice is broken, that there are a lot of people in prison. So so say what you mean a little bit. Okay, well, it's an indication, at least, that something may have, have gone – has gone awry, as is the vastly disproportionate number of minorities and, and black – people who are minorities and black people (laughs) well other i mean minorities uh and i guess especially uh but so so but but again that's not on the face of it it's it's not obvious that that is an indication of a broken justice system it could be an indication of of a, a broken society in which those people are committing lots of crimes right that's true, but again, it's suggestive. And then when you look at the difference between someone who comes from a privileged background and someone who comes from an underprivileged background, how those trials are prosecuted, how they're settled, uh, the kinds of resources that are available to right. someone like you versus the kind of resources that are available to someone like you know, like I, some I, of my I, best friends. <laughs> I know, some of your best friends, right? You have this fantasy that you that you have a lot of black and Jewish friends. <laughs> no, no, and maybe gay friends too. Um, uh, you know, the other thing, the the other indicate. I, I didn't expect to get challenged on this. I mean, part of my point was that there is widespread agreement. You're like one of these climate skeptics. <laughs> no, uh, I actually forgive me for asking you to actually say what your claim is. <laughs> <laughs> because you were just saying that it's broken, and I, I was trying to figure out what you meant. Is it like you're just saying there's a mess? So it's I, a mess. Yeah, that's all I'm saying, and uh, that's all I want to say about that for right now. If we want it, we can fight about. Uh, if you were, if you're, really <laughs> it's not an argument. It's, I want to. Know, I want to know what your claim is because I told it's, you what the claim. But, no, How it's much, not how many because times it, it, it sounds as if one of the interpretations is we're getting a lot better at capturing criminals. Right, and I, I understand <laughs> yeah. that's a possible interpretation. And I think it's uh, you're gonna, false. You're going to be like one of these humanities people who just points me to a book whenever you want to defend a claim. I, <laughs> I don't have time to read your book. Just say it in English what you mean. 
Well, I've said what I mean. I've said it is. Here's what I mean. Okay, okay. what you're asking for is a ju- is a long justification for the claim. No, that, it's like yeah. saying it's uh, like saying I mean my house is, is a mess. And you like what? What do you it's mean? A mess. There are too many people in prison. It's discriminatory. People are being put in in jail for for crimes that shouldn't be crimes. Uh, okay, they there are. Right. Uh, they're being unfairly. They're being unfairly treated. See, that's all stuff you hadn't said yet. But okay. Well, I think I did. <laughs> luckily, we recorded. We, luckily, we recorded we this. Cut, <laughs> I hope we can cut some, some of this shit out. Uh, but maybe we. Okay, should. but I actually agree. Yeah. I actually agree that it's a mess. I mean, uh, oh, after yeah. all that. Yeah, you because agree? I wasn't challenging you. I was just trying to get what you were to... saying. <laughs> uh, all right. So, so then there's the question of of what to do about. It. Now, I asked you twenty minutes in. To the podcast, <laughs> I asked you uh, to read an article that I find it kind of rocked my world uh, in the sense that it changed the way I think about punishment. It changed the way I th- think about dessert. It changed the way I think about responsibility to some degree. I mean, you know, but it's a movie called Conflicts. And <laughs> you just said a movie. <laughs> Did I say a movie? <laughs> it's an article called Conflicts as Property by Niels Christie, who's from Oslo. Our, our Norwegian listeners, and it seems like we have a few, uh, we're, might we're, be even more familiar with this author than I am. We're like the David Hasselhoffs of Scandinavia, I'm telling you. I, I don't know if we're quite a David Hasselhoff. <laughs> no, we'll I never, we'll never be there. <laughs> my hair also, especially. <laughs> it's, a, it's a paper called Conflicts as Property that the central thesis of which is that criminal justice foundationally is rotten to the core. And what it does is it takes conflicts that are between two people. One person commits a crime against another person, and that's a conflict that needs to be resolved between those two people. And it steals the conflict from them and puts it in the hands of lawyers like that lawyer from The Wire. What's his name? Uh, Levy. Uh, and of judges. No comment. And of behavioral experts and and philosophers who are trying to you know come up with some sort of systematic justification for what the right kind of punishment uh for that kind of crime uh should be in, in in all of this the victim especially but also the offender uh are not permitted to uh, deal with conflict themselves and maybe try to come to some sort of resolution. Which is a perfect tie-in for uh, the discussion we had in Unforgiven, uh, which a a lot of what we were talking about was how the one victim of the crime, the central crime that that, uh, motivates the whole movie, um, the victim never really has a say. That's right. And that the third-party system, uh, at this point, the justice system, which was really little Bill in Unforgiven, uh, he came up with the resolution that he found just, but since the rest of the people involved didn't find right. just, uh, was a disaster. It disempowered the the, the victims, and uh, it ended up leading to a lot of bloodshed. So, so that's the central 
thesis, but it's a it's a kind of a founding document for a new movement in criminal justice called restorative justice. So was this paper influential? So this was published in 1977. I think I already said that in British Journal of Criminology. Was this actually an influential paper? Is this like one of those a diamond Hugely in the rough? influential. Okay. If you look at the restorative justice literature, there's almost always a, a reference to, to this. And it's one of the earlier references that you'll find. Um, because although Christie wasn't speaking in those terms then, because the movement didn't really exist then, uh, what he's saying uh, is very much in line with the, what the restorative justice uh, movement is trying to do, which is to bring the two parties together, the, the victim and the offender, and uh, have them confront each other and have them try to work out some sort of, some sort of resolution. Now, this is actually get, building some momentum in the United States, although it's not wildly publicized. But in uh, Australia and New Zealand especially, and to some degree in the Scandinavian countries, it's becoming really big. It's becoming a viable alternative in many jurisdictions and counties um, to the normal form of criminal justice system where uh, the conflict is, is settled by the state and the state alone. And so... You know, I, I so we'll in, in practice, why, but the, I think it's the I, I think this is the wave of the future. It'll take a longer time. Things are more entrenched in in our system. But I think it's kind. I, I think it might be the wave of the future, even in the United States. But we're just going to have to take some some sort of so, baby steps to get. So there. in practice, when you say it's gaining some traction, does this does this mean that actually conflicts are resolved by by victim and criminal or that that just victims are getting a greater voice like they they are with like victim impact statements and stuff like that well so there was that uh very recent new york times magazine article right <laughs> uh where the it was a case where a a, a, a man a, a young man killed his fiance shot his fiance i think what happened was the family's lawyer tried to get the offender and the and, and the family together, and and they, and they kind of knew each other because obviously she was a, the, the the fiance. So this was not as as hard as it might be in other cases. And they were all uh, they all got together. He tried to explain why he did it to them, and he you know he he was able to express as he undoubtedly felt the, a, a huge amount of remorse for what he did. Um, and then what was, and then the prosecutor was there presiding over this whole thing. And uh, I guess then they, what was really interesting, they they went around and asked, "What sentence would you like for this offender, for the murderer, for the person who, who killed their daughter or their?" And you know, each of them went around and said anywhere from five years, ten years, fifteen years, and. The prosecutor ended up now ended up giving him twenty years, which was a lot lower than he would have given had this restorative circle not happened. Um, but he really took their their views into account. That's like one of these little baby steps. Now, of course, he didn't. They didn't get to determine the punishment, and in fact, I don't think anyone, when they asked how long the sentence should be, he said it would should be as high as the sentence he ended up getting. But the fact that they were all much lower meant that the prosecutor was going to go about as low as he felt comfortable going for the sentence. Right. Uh, uh, now, 
last thing, and then I'll let you uh, weigh in on this. I I remember I started getting interested in restorative justice about a year and a half ago. Emailed two people who I trust, you know, on this on this topic, uh, and I asked, "Do you know anything about restorative justice? Do you anything, you know? And, and if you do, what's your take on it?" And they both these are two prominent scholars that I won't identify by name. Uh, both of them emailed me back. Yeah, I, I I know about it. It's justice for pussy. <laughs> <laughs> so and and I think that is now the reputation it has a little bit. You know that this that a, a, a woman a critic wrote a a book called Compulsory Compassion. Uh, so there's this kind of idea where forgiveness is. Uh, being forced, the victims are being forced to forgive and feel compassion for the offender, and I think that's the that's going to be the source of resistance, especially in the United States, where we're really more about personal responsibility and retribution. That that will be a bit hard to get past. But as as I'll try to defend, uh, I don't think restorative justice has to be that way. I don't think it has to be forced compassion, compulsory compassion, forced forgiveness. And I don't think it has to be justice for pussies. But I'll, in fact, in some ways, I think it might be the opposite. So, yeah, because I was going to say, coming from somebody who who is as as keen on the idea of revenge as I am, um, it, it seems like not... If if all it's ending up doing is is uh, reducing sentences, then it seems in conflict with with your with your penchant for for true sort of uh, comeuppance. Well, okay, uh, good. So let's take a break, actually, uh, and then come back and, and have it, have an all out about it. When I be asking you is more than that shit. When I be asking you is more than that shit. This one or that one. This one or that one. This one or that one. The white one or black. When I be asking you is more than that shit. When I be asking you is more than that shit. This, that, the white, the black. This, that, the white, the black. Welcome back to Very Bad Wizards. We are talking about conflicts as property. The uh, one of the founding documents for this new movement that we were just introducing called restorative justice. You know, way, uh, l- let me just say that that uh, it needs a better name because it does sound a little like uh, wussy. <laughs> I agree that the restorative justice label is, again, and this is not something that you can blame Christie for. This is something that, that came after after him and after this paper. Uh, but let me say, y- you accused me of loving revenge, which is true, a very yeah. fair a- accusation. And so how do I reconcile that with my view that um, this is not justice for pussies? And... And here's why. I mean, if you think about what the criminal justice system is right now, where a person commits a crime, let's say it's a violent crime, okay, uh, and a, a jury tries to decide whether he's guilty of the crime, 
and either that or there you know there's a plea bargain which there is in now like 60 percent of of all cases okay and then the judge sentences the person to what they believe is a proportionate punishment given the severity of the crime in line with retributive theories that are focused on proportionality right uh, you give the you give the punishment that is correlated with the culpability of the criminal, and then the person is sent to prison or, in extreme cases, executed. Where's the revenge? The victim doesn't have to do anything in all of this. The victim just stands by. I, At uh, most, I, you, they have to they, they they have to maybe testify or read a victim impact statement during the sentencing phase of the trial. There's no revenge. Revenge is about the victim taking action, taking I, uh, at, at, and and showing a little courage, showing wait, hold, the revenge okay, hold, hold, that we hold like. On. The revenge that we like in Unforgiven is when people are actually taking risks to. You're, the but just you, let, me, let me just stop you. You're you're replying to the wrong wrong claim. I don't think that restorative justice is. I think it's it's focused so much from the articles you sent me. On on the forgiveness aspect that it doesn't seem to be. You're right. It could be. So what I want to ask you is we started off with when I finally got you to make one of the claims about the, the criminal justice system. One of them was that there there there's excessive incarceration and punishment for for things that shouldn't be crimes or or things that are minor crimes and people end up getting disproportionate sentences. Now. If restorative justice, or at least this sort of the victim has a role in this, in this, it's their property. You have to be open for it to be, uh, uh, the, the possibility that, that say the family of the murderer wants them dead. So. Yes, that's correct. It has to go both ways. And I'm fine with it going both ways. All right. So. Although. So you're, you're okay with it being disproportionate in either direction as long as the victims actually want that. I, again, I wouldn't say it's – I'm not okay with it being disproportionate, but it's a fantasy that we can come up with the precise proportionate punishment that correlates with the culpability of a criminal, right? Yeah, but it's a goal. I mean it's a goal, right? It's like – It's a, a goal. It's, I understand. It's, it's a goal. It's protecting against disproportionality. It's not That's claiming right. to be but, – right. But there are at least – how I view proportionality, and I, and I think this is the only sane way to view proportionality, is that it's a spectrum, right? That we can do no better than try to figure out, you know, a spectrum of punishments beyond which uh, on, on either exceeding the upper limit or going below the lower limit, it would clearly be disproportionate. But so why does the victim have any special say in this? Like, what is it about the victim's reaction to the crime that makes them in any way a better arbiter of proportionality? In fact, from everything we know about sort of the psychology of of somebody who's been harmed, like, these are not the people we want making the decisions, right? We want, like, so suppose that that, uh, this system was in play as Niels Christie sort of describes it in his weaker than expected article um, <laughs> that you don't want a system in which the victims are having sort of the, the majority of, of impact on punishment, right? Cause you could very well have people who are, who are biased in all sorts of ways and are not guided by these regulations 
Right. And and you could have like calls no, 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 for but the regulations are in place, whether they're guided by it or not. The idea would be that. All right. Let me ask you, what's the proportionate punishment for for Dante Stallworth, who got into a drunk driving accident? He was and uh, killed the person that 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 he ran into. I, I, I don't know. I mean, look, here's here's. No, listen, I, I think no, this listen. is sol- this is solving. You don't know, right? And there's no and the, and there's no. no and nobody knows. Nobody knows exactly what that punishment. Well, I mean, should. people know. I mean, I, I can rank it. Like I can rank it. It should be lower than like than the guy who killed his parents in cold blood, and it should be should be higher than someone who steals fifty bucks from a from a I from his mom. But so I, I so, agree with all that. But that still doesn't mean you can it, you can get it any closer. To to some sort of fairly wide range of punishments that you would say, yeah, I guess that could be proportionate. But that's exactly what restorative justice is asking people to do in each and every case. It's exactly what you're asking people to do. You're asking people to come up with what they think of as as a as as the fitting punishment. Wait, wait, restorative justice? I I think you're getting the 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 terminology. Right. The, the the thing that Niels Christie defends and that you're defending, where the victim actually has a say in punishment, right? The victim is is in ownership of the property, which is the infraction, and and this is taken as going as as some sort of improvement on this sort of uh, faceless, nameless legal system that where we have where we have people who vote for the punishments of, of certain crimes or people who just assign it, and 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 the victim has no say. That's correct. Why? Why does the victim have any special information about what how the drunk driver should be punished? You're asking the individual to come up it's with a punishment. Big, okay, here's the confusion, right? Or here's our point of disagreement. Uh, you are assuming, and I emphatically deny this, that there is this precise punishment that is warranted for, say, a drunk driving. And it's no, just a question. I, I'm not. Of, of I'm the, not assuming that at all. I'm. Okay. I'm, I'm saying so that there. We agree that. Why does the victim has a say in determining what's proportionate? They don't. They have a say in in determining where, within the range of proportionate punishments, the actual punishment should lie. And if they feel more forgiving, then the punishment should be on the bottom end of that. If they feel more vindictive. Then the punishment should be uh, at the top end. So why? So why exactly is it the case that the victim should a vindictive victim uh, should have a say? And so, so you really think that it's it's a form of justice if I'm more mad at the guy who 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 hit my property when drunk driving than if I'm less mad? So suppose that the guy who hit my who hit my property uh, is black and I'm racist. Right. And I'm just really pissed. Why the hell should that matter? Right. Isn't the whole point of having these laws to protect against the bias that that uh, an individual might have toward the, the person who this restorative justice thing goes beyond just the victim gets to check a box next to all the different kinds of punishments that would be deemed proportionate, you know, within a, the, 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 within a certain range. Restorative justice forces the victim and the offender to actually get together and face each other. And this is what, let me read you, this is why I think that it's the opposite of a justice system for, for pussy. So let me, let me read you what I found to be 
like one of the more profound passages in this unbelievably profound article. Okay, uh, I, I, can, can I can I just read it to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, can, you can. What's I'll let, I'll let what's you. wrong? I, no, I just wanted to get it out there before before I forget that this is just. It seems like we start with a problem that we agree with, and it's solving the wrong thing. Like all of the problems that we start off with, I think are right about the criminal justice system. I just, I just don't see how this is solving anything. Well, but, okay, I'm, I'm, but go I'm, ahead. That's good. We, in in about five minutes, you will see. How it, <laughs> this is a, a passage right now where they're talking about how the victim gets left out. This it's the crown. He's in Norway that gets a chance to talk to the offender, and neither the crown nor the offender are particularly particularly interested in carrying on that conversation. The prosecutor is fed up long since. The victim would not have been. The victim might have been scared to death, panic-stricken, or furious, but he would not have been uninvolved. It would have been one of the most important days in his life. Something that belonged to him has been taken away from that victim. God damn it, that's my bird clock. Right in the most, <laughs> most profound. I barely heard it. Yeah, I have, I have the stupid bird clock. I don't know why. It, it's like Stockholm something. <laughs> Keep it up. It doesn't even work now. They sound like dead birds, like in their like dying breaths because like the. It, you, know, you don't have that singing. You don't have the singing take, singing bass clock anymore. Aren't you from that? Take 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 care of my ch- of my little bird child, my little morning dove child. The 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 idea is that and this is why I say. It actually is is requiring some courage for a victim to go in and face the offender and confront the offender. But what if Uh, you're not feeling particularly courageous? What if you were raped by an asshole and you don't ever want to see his face? It seems like so crazy that you would have to require that. Then I'm not saying you have to require that. Okay, so what's there in the absence of it? What? What's in the absence of In the of absence that? of it, there's just what we have now, but, you know, where where other people are deciding on that basis. But what you give is the opportunity for this to happen. And also, I mean, the rape case actually is one of the worst, uh, w- most worrisome cases for, from my point of view. But my idea is that if you want a stronger sentence, if you want, if you're feeling vengeful, then you got to take responsibility for that in the same way that Avengers take responsibility for bringing about their revenge. I've even toyed with the idea of if the if <laughs> I'm sure you're going to hate this as will most everybody <laughs> that I tell, but I, I I kind of like the idea of if you give a victim a say in terms of whether say or the victim's family a say in whether someone gets the death penalty, which they already have, or whether they uh, or they get life imprisonment. Not only do they have to confront the offender and the offender, they have to, you know, sort of have it out a little bit. The, the victim gets to explain their feelings. The offender gets to try to explain why he did it or whether he's sorry or whether he's not sorry or uh, and all of that. But I kind of like the idea that then... If it goes to the death penalty, the victim or the victim's family, whoever wants it, has to actually do it. <laughs> they have to actually, they have to actually pull the trigger or you know do whatever the thing is. Now, the goal of this is to make this personal. The goal of this is for everybody to recognize 
that these are human beings that you're dealing with and not abstractions. The goal is that this is like you're, this is a flesh and blood person that we're talking about. Now, maybe that's going to make you more vindictive, less vindictive, but at the very least, that should be recognized because it's not. Because when we think about these things, when we're when we're when we think about some murderer, when we think about O.J. Simpson, when we think about these guys are abstractions to us. We don't know them. We we, we don't know. We have no idea what these people are like and what it would be like to actually talk to the okay. person to try to figure out. And, and that's the thing. It's it's, it's right, that's the, the, the kind that's, of thing that 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 that, that the criminal justice system is. That, is working. That's that's yeah. fine and all. I mean, you so might you might value it. that, right? You might say that this is something I value that 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 uh, uh, that the victims confront their criminals. But I don't know what that would fix at all, right? First of all, I, I mean, the criminals, like the murderers, certainly have no problem with the personal nature of their crime. Why should it be in any way to their? That's why, not why, true in a lot of. Why ways. should it in any way act in their favor if I'm a wuss? Right. If they violated my rights in some way, right, they have no problem with assaulting me. But I actually am am skittish about it. I don't want to punish them. Like I I feel guilty or I'm super Christian. I want to forgive them because I don't I've already forgiven them. I don't want them to be punished at all. Why should my particular inclinations or my my weakness of constitution um, have any say in whether or not they're punished? Like, I just don't see what this is. So those are two different cases, right? In the first case, it's easy for me. You were the one that was harmed. If you want to forgive, just like in any other area of life, except apparently the criminal justice system for you, if you are feeling more forgiving, then the outcome of that is that that person is unpunished. It's like you're saying, why should now? That, this is what that, civil that, suits the, are the for. Woman who was ra- no, listen. <laughs> the woman who was raped in Unforgiven, yeah. uh, or not raped. She wasn't raped. She was cut up. Why should the fact that she doesn't want little Davy punished matter at all to whether Davy should be punished, or why should like why should her opinion matter? Uh, it should matter because she was the one. I'm that not was saying on. it shouldn't matter. I'm Society, saying why should it determine it, it? Right. So what if it, I didn't but, say but it what should if determine she, it? It should. It should have an. What effect if she on wanted it? it, but she didn't have the guts to confront him? Okay, so that's the second. That's the second and harder case, and this is the one where I feel less confident about. Although I'm toying with it and trying to develop it so it can sound uh, a little less horrible. <laughs> it's about to sound. I think to some extent you have to earn the punishment of your uh, victimizer. Like you, you – it's too bad. If, if, if you're too much of a wuss to, to go in there and actually confront the person and, uh, and face them and demand yeah, – so, I uh, see the words coming punishment. out of your mouth, but I don't really believe that you believe that. I, I mean, I, I mean, look at a little. What if a little old lady is just is just she's just shivering with fear, you know? But she got brutally assaulted. You don't want that to depend. You want to hire the fucking look, meanest look, ass look, lawyer can, uh, who will look, like look for a little old lady. That's a case where it sounds like I'm insane. Yeah, well, those are the cases. Those are true horrible. cases. But 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 how about if it's you? Don't you think like that if uh, if something happens to you, let's say you get assaulted 
And it, As a mark of my personal uh, courage, and, sure, and, and, but not, but it, it, this doesn't scale. That's the problem with it, right? This is like, sure, you should be able to judge me whether or not I, I have the sort of courage to, to confront, you know, somebody who assaulted me, but you shouldn't judge the little old lady or the daughter or, you know, like, or the, the, the super shy person who never wants to see her rapist. I mean, this, this, it just doesn't scale. But moreover, and more importantly, I don't see what it's solving. So when we started, I, you know, I was with you because I'm with you on the problems of the criminal justice system. So let me, let me ask you, uh, among the problems that we were talking about in the beginning, let me ask you how this view um, would take care of things like this. Right? I know two people. Both of them got three uh, DUIs. Stupid, both of them, right? So they, they, they're both dumb. They're my friends. They they. They deserve some form of punishment. They both know that. One of them is a white girl from Syracuse. She got uh, community service. The other one is a black guy from Compton. He got 18 months in, in uh, prison. Now, as far as I know, there's no subs- there was no difference in their criminal records. Both of them didn't have a criminal record before those three DUIs. Now, how how so that's a problem that we were sort of starting with, the differences in race and socioeconomic status. All of those things we agreed with are problems with the criminal justice system. What does this do for that? This doesn't do anything for that because there's no victim. In so there are tons. So that's the thing. There are a ton. There are a ton like, of. Like, you know what else it doesn't do anything for? Global warming. No, no, no. It We're talking about crimes. No, that's well, like the fact that the patriots have like second. You're like just secondary now, problems. now you're just weaseling uh, out of this what? because so many, no, so so many crimes are of that nature. So you're saying so. Right. And so so I'm saying that restorative justice, this kind of approach, and again, I, I hate the name too, it's it's not intended for crimes. It's not intended to uh, govern crimes where there are no well, victims. Well, I mean, there are victims here, right? There are like society, right? I mean, in general. In- but see, that's such bullshit. The idea that society is a victim, like I'm, I'm a victim because some guy got uh, assaulted or shot in South Houston who I don't know. Like that. Uh, oh no! But it's. Uh, I mean, guy. if you don't think you know, if you don't like, think it's no, a tangible I'm not the victim, the guy who got shot, the guy who got shot, and his family—they're the victims. Uh, I'm not a victim. You you know, clearly, you're whatever. not as That's victimized, right? But fine. but I'm saying like there is something tangible about living in a society where you're taking a risk by going out on the road. You can't just downplay that. Look, but if, yeah, I, I I think those things should be handled in the normal sort of. Somewhat utilitarian, somewhat, uh, and we have to, uh, ex- you know, express so this- the our condemnation of those kinds of acts. I, I, th- I think those things should be handled. Now, the problem with your case is that the rich white girl gets community service, and the black guy from Compton gets eighteen months in right. prison. Right. Of course, restorative justice can't solve that problem because that's just a problem of criminal justice system is uh, is unfair and it's and it's prejudiced and it's biased. So restorative and, justice has no you know, no worry no about solution the, for that. What? All of those things that were. No, it, it's not a cure all. No, I just don't know what it's curing it. Uh, what it's curing at all? Because a lot of crimes have victims. Okay, I would say the the majority of crimes. Well, so so what about the guy who okay. embezzles the money? Majority, and it's certainly the majority of things that should. What be What about the guy who embezzles money from a corporation? Right? Yeah, there are tons of crimes that don't have a clear, in your, on your view, don't have a clear victim. Like, who is the person to 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 come and complain about that? Like, I, I'm I'm confused as why. Like, I'm giving you like a proposal about how to handle a very significant proportion of crimes, and you're and you're. 
objection to no, that. No, no, you're well, you promised something other... about the criminal I, I, justice I, I system and like the ills of it, and no, you're I delivering on a very that. thin slice of like. It's not a thin slice. Are you telling me that a thin slice of crimes are personal? Crimes that they're, are, they're personal crimes. Are you crimes, trying right? to piss they're, me off right now? Personal crimes, what? right? Those those sort of. Crimes where there is a victim, where somebody has been victimized, yeah. right? And, 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 you know, one thing – here, I'll give you one way in which this would – I think it would put a lot of pressure on the criminal justice system to not – to decriminalize things where there are no victims. Now, I don't think the drunk driving case is a good example because that's putting people at risk, right? But things like, you know – minor drugs for personal use and all that sort of thing. Those should yeah, be. Yeah. Right. Well, you don't need restorative justice for that. Because there aren't. Right. Yeah. No, you don't. Um, right. But restorative justice really isn't intended to address those crimes. How about this? Be utilitarian about all these victimless crimes. Yeah. You know? I, I agree with you that there's a value in victims in confronting cases, though, their uh, their so the people who have who have offended against them. But I just don't know uh, what it fixes, and I think that it introduces a lot more problems that 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 I talked about about sort of the uh, uh, allowing for for uh, excessive influence of things that we agree shouldn't influence. We don't agree. Oh, you mean yeah. uh, bias? Yeah. But look, it's not like the the system we have in place now, as your example with your two friends showed it's not like the system we have in place right now just gets no, rid of I, I, absolutely i would agree uh, on that fact, just, it, but it, that it doesn't makes, mean that the, that restorative justice i mean it's not an argument for why restorative justice no, does but, but again i actually think it I, I think it does i think it does to an extent that a lot of bias and a lot of prejudice is based on viewing certain groups as uh, abstractions rather than real people and when you are face to face with real people, it's much harder to be prejudiced. It's much harder to be biased. You are in contact really? with somebody who that, that's like an art. Uh, yeah, so, really so like so, <laughs> the South during slavery, like, the like, South during slavery example, was if you, like if you knew, super contact with like whites and slaves. And like you think that that I, I actually no Look, there's some people who are just irredeemably racist. Uh, there are and for the, and for the, you know, the and, but and, and for those Django people and, and for those people contact just brings out their bias. I don't know. I, I I don't think so. I think it just doesn't it it doesn't throw it away. You know. But I think for a lot of people, you know, like a lot of people who are racist have very little contact with the black community. I always, you know, my daughter growing up in Minnesota for the first three or four years of her life, she yeah. was racist. Because there's no black people. Everyone was blonde. She comes to Houston and she wants to be friends with the girl with the blonde hair and, and has light, light yeah. skin or whatever. Uh, and then she's in the University of Houston Child Care Center where, you know, three quarters of the teachers are black uh, and at least half, you know, so diverse. Yeah. And well, it, it went away. It went away in two months. And, and, and soon after, she didn't have another racist bone in her body. All right, let's take another quick break. Hey, we'll, we'll and wrap then this I, up. I, I, I want to, like, uh, <laughs> yeah, wrap this up. Welcome back to this extremely contentious episode of Very Bad Wizards. 
I want to read another passage from this article that Dave has not yet come to appreciate, but will. (laughs) He's talking about this, you know, very depersonalized, abstract, systematized criminal justice system that you seem to adore so much. (laughs) Uh, And he's talking about some of the flaws of it. And he's already talked about, you know, how how you're depriving the victim of this really important uh, occasion in their life where they actually have to stand up to their victimizer. And then he goes on and he says, but the big loser is us. To the extent that society is us. This loss is first and foremost a loss in opportunities for norm clarification. It is a loss of pedagogical possibilities. It is a loss of opportunities for a continuous discussion of what represents the law of the land. How wrong was the thief? How right was the victim? Lawyers are, as we saw, trained, lawyers like Levy, trained into agreement on what is relevant in a case. But that means a trained incapacity in letting the parties decide what they think is relevant. It means that it is difficult to stage what we might call a political debate in court. When the victim is small and the offender big in size or power, well, how blameworthy then is the crime? And what about the opposite case, the small thief and the big house owner? If the offender is well-educated, ought he then to suffer more or suffer less for his sins? Or if he is black, or if he is young, or if the other party is an insurance company. This answers all your questions, by the way. Or if his his wife has just left him, or if his factory will break down, or if he has to go to jail, or if his daughter will lose her fiancé, or if he was drunk, or if he was sad, or if he was mad. There's no end to it. And maybe there ought to be none. Maybe allowing the conflicting parties to bring in the whole chain of old complaints and arguments each time. Maybe decisions on the relevance, on the weight of what is found relevant ought to be taken away from legal scholars, the chief ideologists of crime control systems, and brought back for free decisions in the courtrooms. Now, come on. How is that not just... A passage of genius. Like this is this, and here's what I mean by philosophy is the enemy here. Philosophers' whole goal is to try to systematize, universalize, make everything just subject to these definite categories. And what he's saying here is, you know what? These are the kinds of things that we need to be continuously discussing, continuously arguing about, and the people who are most equipped to argue about it are the people who got into the conflict in the first place. And that gives us all an opportunity to kind of find out what norms we really subscribe to. What do we really believe about these things? Because we're actually, you know, the closer we are to it, the more participatory the whole system is, the more we can actually figure out what we really believe about culpability, responsibility, and punishment. Uh, you seem to be much more optimistic about what human nature will yield during these moments of conflict, where all I hear when he's saying, like, you know, what if he was bigger than this guy? And what if he was black? And what if it was an insurance company? All I hear is a bunch of people allowing all of their sort of biases and anger and 
and stupidity enter into a discussion that actually should be protected against the sort of baser, the baser and dumber human beings who might feel like they have a say. I mean, this is what civil litigation is. This is exactly what civil litigation is. And it's a mess, right? Because the people who are more vindictive go sue whoever they want because they are actually angry and they think that they should get more money. And that's why. But that's because the civil litigation is because there is all these experts are bringing in all these laws and all these, you know, the, all, all these. Yeah, but it's uh, driven. It's, it's driven by the vi- it's driven by the victim desiring sort of, you know, oh, OJ wasn't culpable, uh, culpable in criminal court. Like, let me sue the pants off of him. Right. Like, it's like, uh, I don't know, man. I, but that's just a reaction to the fact that there was an injustice in the actual criminal trial. I mean, I actually think, you know, like, yes, the model here is tort law, right? The model is to bring what we do in tort law, which really is the victim versus the offender, uh, into criminal law, which is now the abstract state or society or the people versus the offender. Uh, that is the model, but that doesn't mean... It has to be subject to all the abuses of court law as it currently exists. I I just think that it's opening the door for abuses. Like I don't see what – like as you're reading, like my eyes are glazing over because all it is is just like saying like, and this will fix it, and this will fix it, and don't you see this will fix it without actually showing – It's not saying it will fix it. It was saying it gives us an opportunity – for norm clarification. What does that even right? mean? What does that? It. What does it mean that 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 like because norms are clarified that, when I get angry right. at the big you, black you, guy who stole my watch? You know, who says you're getting angry. That's what's going to happen, right? How is that norm clarification? Okay, I, maybe you're right that I'm a little more optimistic about the parties getting together and actually like personal connection leading to something more productive and fruitful. I think you're way too optimistic in the idea that experts. So, so, so on no, your, no. So on you your keep view, you keep using this strategy of saying that I'm defending like <laughs> behavioral <laughs> scientists and no, neuroscientists, no. and you examine their brains. And you, <laughs> that's and exactly. Everybody gives these expert opinions, and everybody. And that's and, the and, very and thing that I'm the, not. That I'm not. You know, you keep using the sneaky tactic of every time I attack your position, saying that I'm defending the, the status quo, which is not the case at all. But it's not a defense of your position that the status quo is broken. I, I, I don't understand. So you're, what you're saying is like I think that the, the way that the I'm system is this is, is better than the status quo. I, yeah, I just don't see how it is. Like it's allowing for all kinds of biases to creep in. Like the anger, like the the very thing that we know about human beings and how irrational they get and vindictive and and uh, and that, you know the, a book that you recommended to me that I'm reading right now is called uh, On Killing. Yes. And isn't the whole point of that book how hard it is to come face-to-face with somebody and actually kill them, uh, that we have psychological mechanisms that... So uh, what what does that have to do with this? What that has to do with this is the more personal your connection or confrontation with somebody, the less likely you are to be crazy vindictive, this person should die. Oh, you're confusing the ability to 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 directly physically harm somebody with vindictiveness. Well, again, this is why I like my idea about making the victims actually... That's, uh, that's like... 
That's like vegetarian's idea is that you should kill all of the animals that you eat, you know? I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. I think there is such an, uh, a great analogy between what's wrong with the criminal justice system and what's wrong with, like, factory farms. <laughs> it's all impersonal. It's all hidden. We don't see. We don't see what goes on in courtrooms. We don't see what – we don't see the offenders. We don't see what goes on in prisons. We don't see what goes on in factory farms. And the way it used to be, both in criminal justice and in farming, is you did have to kill the animal that you were going to eat. And that gave you a respect for that animal. Yeah. Uh, that, so, so yeah, that's, that's I mean, absolutely I, right. I mean, that's a solution. I, that's a solution for not killing, you know. I mean, if what, if what you, if what your ultimate goal is, is to reduce the amount of sort of, uh, to, to cut out capital punishment, then fine, like, fair enough. But I just don't see what, I don't see how this particular system of like having people like required to participate in in the accusation and have a say in their punishment is fixing anything. I I don't. In fairness to you, also, like I haven't brought in the mounds of evidence that show that when you do uh, restorative justice, victims feel more satisfied on average. Punishments are tend to be lower, and yet the victims don't feel less satisfied with the verdict. And so this brings me and to a offender, point. And that offenders are, are, are better able to reintegrate into society as a result. They're better able to reintegrate. After, after, their, after their sentence. Uh, yeah, you should. Uh, that should. That evidence should very well be entered into <laughs> because I don't know what kind of evidence that you could possibly mount for them being better able to to enter into society after to reintegrate. Like recidivism rates, would that work? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you'd have to convince me that there wasn't a selection bias in the people who were chosen for this sort of restorative justice, right? I mean. Yeah, but you really are like one of those climate skeptics. No, like, no, I want evidence. You, I want actual evidence. I'm the opposite of a climate skeptic. <laughs> I will be convinced with evidence. Uh, you know, because up until now it's been hand waviness, right? It's been like Not it's been, been like the, the trying. <laughs> All right. So, but my last point is, why does the victim have the the most say anyway? So, so suppose that um, suppose that somebody rapes me, and I just say like, you know what? I forgive you, buddy. Uh, Six months community service. He's satisfied. He's reintegrated happily into society because you know what? He got away with raping my ass. And, uh, and I'm fine because it fits with my values. The, the, the punishment for the crime is actually lower. You can show that it's statistically lower. Now, why doesn't the rest of the world, the rest of society or my town or whatever have a say in like me letting this rapist go? They do. And the way that they do is you, you set a minimum punishment. Uh, Who sets the minimum? What? Who sets the minimum? The, the, the system, the people, the democracy, the law. You mean the impersonal, the laws. impersonal evildoers that are responsible? There are still laws that set uh, minimum standards for, and maybe these laws are based in large part on utilitarian considerations and also <laughs> on on just certain kinds of crimes. We have to express. To the rest of society that and see, uh, that they they can't get you know right. like the, the 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 kind of punishment that you have to get uh, is you know it can't go beneath a, a certain degree so so 
They, so, so you're okay with society system. setting those kind of laws. You just you just don't yeah, want them setting all setting minimums and society even set it, and society setting maximums, which might be even more important. Because, like you said, what if that offender is uh, <laughs> is exceptionally vindictive? I'm okay with uh, I, I'm okay with that. I've I mean, but doesn't this doesn't this actually get to okay Niels Christie's very objection that society shouldn't be setting these kinds of laws? That like this is no, stripping people he, he of wants the- society. He wants everything to become more localized. This thing is, uh, you know, that that which I'm not a huge fan of that Tasmanian uh, example yeah. that he gives in the beginning of the uh, the essay. But the point of it is, it's not just the victim of the offender. It's a lot of people within the community that are coming together now. I get that that's much harder in our society where communities are are very scattered all over the place and often crimes are between two completely disparate communities that have very little contact with each other. I get all that. But the idea is that the more local and democratic the cr- criminal justice system is, the better. What What I think I would urge for is that different communities, however you define them, might have different and this is already true, right, have different minimums and maximums for certain crimes based on their values. But, uh, but yes, absolutely society has that say. No restorative justice system says any different, or at least no good one. Because it's true that some restorative justice in practice really is this kind of compulsory compassion of the kind of thing that you are objecting to and my two correspondents. <laughs> well, it seems uh, like that could but, that could alone drive the sort of lower sentencing and the happiness of the criminal, you know. I could. But but so you, so you know, an idea and an approach should not be held hostage to the you know, some of the ways and worst ways in which it's been applied. So maybe I, because I, and I don't want to get the wrong idea. I very, I really agree that victims should have a say. I just want to protect against victims who are, who are scared or don't want to confront their criminal. I, so I think that, that it would be a good thing if people had the courage to confront the people who, who victimized them. And um, if they had a say in, in the sentencing, um, but that all to me seems just like sort of an intrinsic value that would be tacked on the, the criminal justice system and not something that on its own could ever fix some of the serious problems that we started off talking about. Like I'm, I still don't see from A to B where you get from this sort of participatory role of the victim to fixing any of the, the ills in society. Because as you say, like, you know, I think that it's a, a tragedy that's hundreds of thousands of people are in jail for marijuana possession, right? But as you say, this has absolutely nothing to do with that, right? Like I don't No, this has nothing to do with that. You know what has you know what we can do about that is decriminalize. Yeah, right, marijuana. right. So so I, I'm not I'm That's I'm not easy. sure what this yeah. is a solution to. It's a value that I can endorse, yeah. but I'm not sure what it solves. As I'm sure you know, uh there are a lot of people convicted for crimes that aren't marijuana possession. Yeah, yeah. So what so what does it solve for them? Go ahead, go for it. What it solves is it provides a justice system in which certain values, including courage, 
are encouraged and people come out of it feeling a lot more satisfied that justice was done. And, I mean, by people, you mean the victims. Uh, and, and they have and – and they come out of there with a little more self-respect. I mean we talked about this during the Revenge podcast, which is why I'm so surprised. Yeah, no, no. I mean look, if what you're saying – if, like, if A victim that does – that this has – like a victim that confronts their offender through some sort of process along the lines of, of, of what Christie is – I think they're going to come out of that with – they're going to feel better about what happened. They're going to be less humiliated. They're going to feel less victimized. I mean and, maybe. Maybe. It just uh, doesn't sound like that's any – I mean that sounds like it's what what – what it's solving is the problem of victims not having a say. And if that's all that restorative justice is, then fine, no, right? No, I mean, not just victims not having a say. Victims like feeling like that these crimes actually... Okay, so let me ask you a question. Suppose that this actually reduced sentencing so that crim- both criminals and victims felt better about the whole process. But then when you polled uh, the rest of society, they thought that, in fact, the sentences were too lenient. Who wins? Right. So you're now you're you're pitting the two the two against it. You're saying society in general is upset about uh, the, the sort of reduction in the in the severity of punishment. But the victims and the criminals are happier. Yeah. I mean, part of me, again, wants to say that it's none of their fucking business. What happens within a particular crime? If it's, you know, again, except for setting minimums and maximums, a, a re, a, a, yeah, except for setting reasonable and maximums. It's none of your fucking business. Like how we just like how Jen and I resolve a, an argument is none of anybody else's business or how you and I resolved our argument about uh, reading the, Christie, <laughs> uh, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, at, at, at a certain level, you don't get to complain your feeling of justice when you know almost nothing about the offense and you don't know the people involved. You don't know how anybody felt. If you think it's too low, too too bad. Get over it. Move on with your I life. I guess. But, I mean, you're agreeing that they have a real say in what the minimum and the maximum should be. So I don't, I don't see what the – As members yeah, of a community. Yeah, I don't see yeah. what the uh, – which, which I don't have any say about in your argument – with me or in your argument with Jen. Like, I don't, you know. Right. Well, that's because, you know, there is a difference. Between, right. That's you know, the like, thing I'm saying. Like, there is a real difference but, but between, not, like, letting a criminal out a early. Of degree. I think it's a difference of a degree. It's not a difference in. Kind. Okay. So if uh, if what this is doing is embiggening victims and, yeah, cool. Yeah. yeah it's like, cool. Great. You know, work? they have more courage. You don't want to say no. empowering. That, <laughs> that does. That has a bad. Uh, I'm not sure it's empowering. Of... I mean, it's making them feel more courageous and better and happier with the outcome. Then, then cool. If that's what this is. Is, then, then great. Feel, it's making them be more creative. I, I mean, yeah. I, the thing is, like, now what about the person who just chickened out and was unwilling to participate in this restorative justice? Are they a data point? Yeah, they're a data point. They, they chickened out, and that that's <laughs> unfortunate. And, and they feel like shittier? A lot of occasions in life when you chicken out, you know, hopefully you learn from it, and then, you know, like that. So I fear that it's imposing it's, it's a burden on the victim. It's not that it's too bad. Right? It, I fear that what? it's imposing an additional burden on the victim to to have to confront their, their victimizer. Right. When the very when the you know, the the very nature of crime is often that somebody feels completely violated and they don't want to see the offender. They don't you know, the whole reason for having a a third party punishment system is sometimes that you can put it in the hands of people who will take care of it. You want them to be punished. You really do. But you don't want to have to face them. Right. 
no restorative justice system, even in the you know when it's really up and running, forces the victim to to be a part of the process. What you might sacrifice if you refuse to be a part of the process is any kind of say in what the punishment will be, and you. That no, that's fine. Then, then all I can say is that this is not a sort of paradigm shifting view of justice and punishment, and that will rework the criminal justice system. This is sort of a, a kind of a psychological self help call for victims to confront their accusers. <laughs> and I'll, I'll now, thank you for listening to me. That's low. <laughs> uh, all right. All right. Well, uh, I don't know how how uh, this has been for people. I'd like to do something along these lines. Maybe we can have follow-up. Yeah. So let's just say that if anybody uh, has any actual opinion about this particular – so we'll make the, the paper available. Um, and, and if anybody actually wants to chime in, uh, it, it, we can have a follow-up section. Tweet me at uh, – you don't really have um, a Yeah, I do. If people start right? tweeting me, I guess I'll answer. But I never – I use it more to follow other people. Um, but I'm – I mean, I mostly do too. I'm trying yeah. to experiment with actually starting to – I'm at P's, so. P-E-E-Z. And I'm at Tamler, T-A-M-L-E-R, my first name. And, and actually, any other questions that, uh, that, that you have, uh, I think the 140-character format is perfect for us to be able to answer some questions. In, uh, in, yeah. That's a good idea. Yeah, maybe we should try to make that the ones that, will, that will address be most likely to respond to in a, in a prompt fashion. All right. Any, any, any final right. words? Yes. <laughs> I... I, I, I find this whole – and I know that I haven't been able to convince you of it, and, I, and it's going to be hard. I mean this is part of my work. Like I'm trying to write something. It's a hard thing to write about because it's so amorphous. Yeah. You know, That's what you hated about the, the paper. But I think there's something so deep and important going on here that doesn't even just apply to criminal justice. It, acri- it applies to – to all sorts of institutions and the way that philosophy tries to address them, the way that psychology tries to address them, and the costs of of those approaches. And at some point in a later podcast or a later work of mine, I hope to be able to articulate that, even if I haven't. And uh, and maybe let's talk about Django Unchained next time or something. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Join us next time. A very bad wizard. For more information about this episode, including show notes and links, and to listen to other episodes, please visit us at www.verybadwizards.com. I'm a very bad man. I'm a very good man. Good man. Just a very bad wizard.